Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, December 11th, the friend flip-flopping edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's seven. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another podcast. It's called The Best Advice Show. And I'm dad to Noah, who's six, and Ami, who's three. We live in Detroit. On today's show, we help a listener whose six-year-old wants to hang out with friends until he doesn't. How can this parent make sure an upcoming sleepover goes smoothly? Then we'll have recommendations and some advice from you as we dive into the mailbag. See you back here in a minute. We're back and diving right into our listener question. Hello, here's a question for you concerning my six-year-old's attitude towards his friends. My child loves having friends over, and we're happy to organize one-on-one playdates whenever we can. When this happens, he'll be bursting with anticipation up to 24 hours in advance. However, whenever my child is having a playdate at our house, he has an overbearing attitude with his friends, doesn't matter which ones, and keeps telling them no or stop when they want to play with any of his toys or suggest a new game. On the last occasion, the friend was so overwhelmed by this that he asked if my child would prefer him to leave, and my child said yes. I was in the room and intervened. I got on my child's level and calmly said that we wouldn't say that to a guest, and that if he wanted to play alone, I'd play with his friend. I took his friend into the next room and we started playing a board game. My child immediately came to play with us, and they got back to a very friendly attitude. That night, I tried to talk with him again just to see what prompted the response, and I suggested that if this happens again, he could go tell an adult that he needs time to be alone while on the play date. I don't know. I keep thinking back on it and thinking I should have done more to help the communication between my child and his friend. I'm also kind of nervous because my child is invited to his first sleepover at a friend's house in a couple weeks, and I feel like this incident could very easily repeat itself. Just for some background, my son is an only child, and there's been no big changes in his life this year. He's calm and introverted. He is a little prone to anxiety, but usually generous and open to sharing. Any feedback would be welcome to help him be a respectful friend. Thanks, sweet friend support. So I think that you should talk to your son about taking breaks during these play dates and, you know, on this upcoming sleepover. It sounds like maybe... He just needs a minute from time to time to kind of reset, you know, like he gets maybe a little overwhelmed by all the playing together and sharing. And it would be good to just say, hey, you know, when you start feeling that way, excuse yourself. You can go to the bathroom. You can go sit somewhere else in the house for a few minutes and just kind of like cool out and do your own thing you know, which is much easier to do at your own house than it is when you're on a play date elsewhere or if you're at a sleepover, you know? And I think in anticipation of the sleepover coming up, um, you should maybe talk to the friend's parents and say, hey, sometimes Billy just needs a minute to himself. Would it be okay for him to come to you and just say, I need a break? And would there be somewhere he could just kind of go and chill You know, maybe you could send a book or a toy and he can just do his own thing for a minute. But talk to your son really about articulating his feelings. You know, like, why is he needing this break? You know, I just feel this is too much. I'm tired. You know, I'm tired of sharing whatever it is, you know, 
help him to understand for himself what it is that's going on and give him the tools to isolate himself briefly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this letter could have been written by by us. Noah has gone through a similar experience. She just had her first sleepover in the last couple months, but whether or not it's a sleepover, having having friends over for a long period of time is challenging, especially when it's like the friend just like goes up to the to Noah's room and just like starts, you know, touching all our stuff. Like I think it just takes getting used to it. And it just takes practice and it takes like realizing, oh, like just because they're playing with my stuff, it doesn't mean that it's theirs. And it can be a strange feeling at first to you know, to have someone in your space touching all your stuff, but it just takes practice. Like there's this one friend in particular who we've had over three times over the last couple of years. And the first time like it ended terribly because Noah was, you know, being selfish. She wasn't sharing her stuff and the friend had a terrible time and we felt bad about it. The next time she came over, it went a lot better. And the sleepover that she had with her most recently was, was great. Um, and I've also found that one thing that has helped is getting the parents involved, not just talking to the parents, but like maybe inviting the parents over as well. And so it's the, the families hanging out together. Um, I think that there's a sense of safety when the parents are around and, and we've, we've definitely had that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is totally normal because it happened once or a couple times. Don't think that there's something wrong or that your kid can't handle having kids over. It's just that they need to practice having kids over. I also think that playdates at your own house always go worse than playdates at a friend's house. Yep. Like my kids have struggled having kids over, but the reports when he went somewhere was that he was great. Mm, and I mm-hmm. think some of that is like the expectations, right? Like, well, first of all, you're just much worse at home because you're so much more comfortable. I think too, it's like hard for kids, like Zach said, the practicing I think is so important because it's all of a sudden it's like your stuff and your things and you had this idea in your head of how the play date would go. Like, I really do think kids, even if it's not as like, like like adults, we can kind of play out how it goes. But I think kids have this idea, like having this friend over is going to be so fun because we're going to get to do all of these things, but they think that they're going to get to be in charge. And there's a lot mm-hmm. now, you know, like we're at my house. I want to choose. I know what's here. And then the kid wants to do something different. And so I think one, if the sleepover is at someone else's house, it sounds like. So I just don't think you'll have the same problems. But I think Jamila's advice is is really good that you can inform the parent of the sleepover of what's happened. Also, I think it's important when you're having a sleepover to let your kid and the parents know, my kid can call me for any reason, anytime. It doesn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. Please do not, if they want to call me, let them call me, even if it's in the middle of the night. Because I think that gives you such a, like the kid, such a security blanket, Mm -hmm. right? Like at any time I can call my mom. And I've always told my kids, if you call me and say you want to come home, I'm going to I will come get you. Like I I might ask if everything's okay, but I will be on my way because I think they need to know that anxiety kind of settled. Like if I get here and I don't like it, I can just go home. I can leave. Um I do think that this sounds to me, you said your child has some anxiety, like this particular play date may be related to that anxiety just that they get so overwhelmed. And so I think the best thing for that is practice and role-playing. So you can practice 
at home when they're getting frustrated or like, hey, if you were playing, like, what could you do right now? And I think kids do really well with kind of that running through. Um, I can choose to leave. I can take a break because it sounds like that's what they needed, right? They mm-hmm. took a break and then you, mm-hmm. you know, went in um, and they rejoined the game. I also think the next time you have a play date, you might need to just be a little bit more involved. And when you see those signs help with the transition, I think what you did is great. Like saying, hey, I'm just going to go start this board game. You're welcome to join the same way you would do. Like if you have siblings, this is something that you would do all the time. Like I'm going to start this game that I want the family to play. And when you're ready to join us, you can. Um, but I wouldn't worry about it. I feel like this letter writer is so worried that this you know, I I think the reason that it blew over and even if the other parents talk to you, like other parents have seen this happen with their children. Um, this is a very normal playdate experience that it kind of goes wrong for a little bit and then resolves itself. Yeah. They're learning. Yeah. I mean, and, the, and because your kid's an only child, I think that you might be learning this lesson just slightly later than kids with siblings. Like everyone goes through it. And I think it's just like, you just have to pass through this this period well we'd love to know how the sleepover goes so if you want to um keep us updated on that please do we always love updates and sweet friend support we're so glad that you wrote in we always love hearing from you Mm -hmm. the rest of our listeners if you have a question or something you want us to talk about give us a call 646-357-9318 or of course you can email us at mom and dad at slate.com Let's move on to recommendations. Jamila, what are you recommending this week? I am recommending duck. Yes. Duck is the best to meat. Eat. Yes. Eat yep. ducks. <laughs> I know they're very cute. They're absolutely delicious. I bought a couple right before Thanksgiving, and I had one basically to myself on Thanksgiving because I was alone, and then I made one for Naima and I a couple nights later, and it's just so tasty, and it's so good. You can put it in the air fryer. You can put it in the oven. Um, Be careful because it is easy to overcook them, and they do take a while to cook, but Duck is just so good. And it's so funny because when Naya's been eating duck since she was like four or five and my sister was like, she doesn't care about like Daffy or any of that. Like, I'm like, it never comes up. She's never once (laughs) connected cute little ducklings to this thing that we eat. But duck, it's the best meat. How do you prepare it? So I made the last one in the air fryer. Um, so I think that took about maybe, maybe it was in the air fryer for like an hour and then like 30 minutes in the oven roasting and getting nice and crispy. Um, the one that I bought came with a L'Orange sauce, um, of its own, which was pretty good. But in the past I've used different glazes and, you know, whatever you would do with chicken, you can do with duck. And it's, I mean, and you get this from your grocery store? Yeah, like they don't, interestingly enough, they don't sell in the grocery store near my house, but there's one um, in South LA that always has ducks near where we, uh, in Inglewood, where we used to live. So they always have ducks there. So check your local Yum. stores. I had no idea. You can also go to that. Asian markets. Um, right. You know, if there's yeah. a Chinatown in your city and you can get duck there. I'm hungry. That's great. Uh, Zach, what are you recommending? Uh, Let's stay in the kitchen. I have a recommendation. I was thinking about it specifically because there is this one spatula that I have that's like, it's much smaller than my other ones. And I find myself always reaching for that. 
instead of the bigger ones. It's probably like two by two inches. So pretty small. And I find I can be a lot more precise with my flipping. I use it a lot for pancakes because I make pancakes on the weekends. And it reminded me of this advice that I read years ago and that I still think about all the time. It's from this this guy. He's a writer. His name is Connor Barnes. I actually had him on the Best Advice Show a couple years ago. But he wrote this piece that went viral called 100 Tips for a Better Life. And number four on that tip of 100 is... Where is the good knife? If you're looking for your good X, you have bad X's, throw those out. And so I thought about in the context of my spatula, like just get rid of these other spatulas if you're not, if you always want, you know, the, the nice small one. And so I think you can think about that too. Um, we talked about purging in the in Slate Plus from our last episode, but just like if you're always like looking for the good version, throw the crappy one away. And so uh, we linked to that whole list of 100 tips in the show notes, but I I highly recommend it. Let me just read one more because it's really good. This is number 13. When Googling a recipe, proceed it with the word best. You'll find better recipes. So I do this all the time, like best, you know, buttermilk pancake recipe. If you you say best, um, I feel like it filters out and and you get actually different results on Google. Hmm. Well, I I love any good... uh like little life hacks. Yeah. I'm check this out. And I agree. Once you have a, a great kitchen knife, it's like. <laughs> you don't need anything else. Anything else. You don't need anything else. We actually, someone just gifted us, Jeff was in like a cooking challenge, a Japanese knife. And it oh. is a, amazing. Okay. Amazing. You just skipped over a big story here. What? Jeff went out drinking with some guys and they came home and decided they were having a cook-off. And so we gathered at the house, we all dressed up, and he and one other guy, so there were three guys that went out drinking one evening, and one guy was in charge of, like, running the competition, and the other two cooked a four-course dinner, and they had to come out and, like, present it, and it was hysterical, but it was really fun, and then the everyone kind of organizing it gave the two chefs uh, these Japanese knives that are, um, like, the best cutting, they're amazing. Do you know what kind of knives they are? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I am recommending something that, of course, has nothing to do with food that I feel like now maybe I'm gatekeeping because I didn't know that people didn't know about this. Okay, so when we buy apps and stuff, all these educational apps, mm-hmm. I use a buy-in group, which is basically where you go in with other parents and you are going to get a subscription in the same way that like a school or an educational mm. group does it. Uh, so like, for example, Prodigy Math has a, you know, subscription. And I think typically it's probably like $30. But because with the buy-in group, it's like 12 um, mm. I use a group called Storms in the Sky. It has a website. You go, you see what you want to do, and they tell you when the next kind of buy-in is. Um, this has worked amazingly well for me. There are um, subscriptions like to mute little prodigies music, which is lovely, but like a subscription, I think normally will be $50 or so. And uh, with the buy-in group, depending on how many people are buying in, it usually drops you, um, y- you know, like more than 50% lower. So there's lots of these groups out there. Um, again, I'll link to the one I use, which is called Storms in the Sky. I thought everyone was doing this and mentioned it to a friend and she was like, wait, what? Nope. So we're not go doing check it that, out if you're looking for be. some of these educational games. It huh. tends to be the ones that like your kids would get at school. Um, but, so if you're looking for access to things like that, you can always search the app and then buy in. Um, some companies allow it, some don't. Uh, again, the one I use is linked, um, and they've always been wonderful. Great. 
I love that. All right. Before we go, we want to share some amazing notes and letters that y'all have been sending us. First up, we're still getting lots of Jiffy cornbread love. (laughs) My family was really happy. I jumped on the Jiffy cornbread muffin bandwagon last night. They said they were the best muffins ever. My son was enjoying the leftovers this morning for breakfast and actually walked away with half a muffin on his plate. One of my cats seized the opportunity and grabbed the muffins for herself. When I arrived back to the crime scene, there was two cats devouring the leftovers in a frenzy and thousands of crumbs scattered everywhere. Curse you, crumbly cornbread. We all had a good laugh, but agreed to do a better job at clearing our plates after meals. Who knew that cats love cornbread? That is news to me. I had no idea. Cornbread is loved by all species. We also got some feedback about the toddler brawler who couldn't stop hitting. Hi, everyone. The kid sounds like they're in fight or flight, maybe just fight, and can't get out. I've got a kid like this. Starting at about three years old, we've had success with basic mindfulness and grounding techniques to switch back to the upstairs brain. The easiest one for me was to play I Spy, but you can adapt it to things you see, hear, smell, or feel. Because even if the kid can't verbally answer, their brain is still thinking, and that will help them exit the spiral. This works best when you play this game for fun as well. That way, it's second nature when you employ it in a heated moment. Temperature changes can also be really useful, so you and the kid could step outside to the porch in the winter or even hold a cup of ice water. This temperature change is a really good idea. I remember when my kids were newborns and they were freaking out. If I just like went and walked outside with them, that would often be a big help. So it makes sense that even at three or older, um, I mean, it works for me. It works for adults, too. That's that's really smart. I Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Holding a cup of ice water. Hmm. Mentions that upstairs brain too. And I was yeah. just um, listening to this radio lab about puberty. But one of the things that they were mentioning was the, again, reiterating that that like the upstairs brain is not like fully online until you're 25 or more. And I think that really puts some of like behavior like this, you know, in perspective that like three is really far from 25. Like the, the upstairs brain is, is really struggling to figure out, uh, when to act and when not to act and impulsiveness Mm -hmm. yeah totally and finally we got a letter about navigating holiday plans and grandparents dear mom and dad are fighting i've been struck by how frequently you've had questions about balancing grandparent time with the children especially during holiday season I think it's time to tell the grandparents that you're making your own traditions with your own family, that you'll incorporate the grandparents when it works best. Of course, you want to use kind language to remind them of all the fun that you've had as a child with your insular family and remind your parents it's time for your children to have that same experience with you. For those who want to keep their parents involved, I suggest picking one activity and letting them have access to the grandchildren for that. But pick what you want to do with your family first and then let the grandparents have what's left over. I also highly suggest having your own holiday celebration at home before going to any extensions of family. I mean, it goes back to just kind of establishing boundaries, which we all need practice with. Yeah. And it's true. Like, I know that the holidays are stressful, but like, they're the holidays. They, they You should be doing at least something um, that's meaningful and fun for you. It, it, it can't just be about pleasing um, people outside your family, even if it is, you know, extended family or grandparents. I think this is really smart. Well, we always love getting advice from y'all, so please keep writing in. You can reach us at slate.com. And that's our show. Please subscribe, leave a rating and review, and tell your friends. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Maura Curry and Rosemary Belson. 
Alicia Montgomery is the VP of Slate Audio. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. 